Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you once again. Thank you for your patience. It has been a while. Uh, I don't think I've podcasted since the end of the basketball season. It's been a couple of months. Uh, Has anything happened since then? Yeah, a lot has happened. So uh, I don't know how long this is going to go or or what direction it's going to go in. I've got kind of a list of things I want to hit, but I'm just going to kind of throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and uh, and I appreciate you being along for the ride. Uh, I will start ramping up some some summer series podcasts. And uh, Ben, before you know it, we're less than three months away from football season and things like the uh, opposition research podcast, the instant reactions for the games, the weekly podcasts, all of that kind of stuff, the weekly radio show. Uh, so we're ramping back up. Uh, of course, nothing stopped at HawkeyeNation.com. Rob Howe and John Bonacamp, Rick Brown, uh, Pushing out content, HawkeyeNation.com. Check that out. Follow us on social media as well. If you follow us on Facebook, make sure you follow the correct account. There's there's a, a Hawkeye Nation poser account that uh, does have a lot of followers, but is not is not affiliated with us here at Hawkeye Nation. Uh, but again, I do appreciate your patience and uh, and let's just dive into this this thing. Uh, and we'll start at the top. Uh, the athletic director, right? Uh, Gary Barta out. Beth gets in. Not officially yet. It'll happen on uh, on August first. So, still a couple of months left in the Gary Barta era, uh, which will certainly be be marked by a lot of different things. Um, I found it interesting last week. I think it was that uh, it came out. Iowa was one of maybe six or seven schools in the country that had gone to a bowl game, gone to the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments, and gone to the baseball NCAA tournament. Um, and as that's, you know, a fact, while that's happening, you have basically an entire fan base celebrating the fact that the athletic director is retiring. Uh, so that that tells you a lot about Gary Barta's tenure in that it was pretty solid on the field, uh, it was pretty solid um, stability-wise. A lot of wins, a lot of good programs, a lot of good players, a lot of good happened uh, on the field, on the court, uh, but just not in court, right? Um, Gary Barta fundraising, facilities, all of those things, uh, all of the things kind of on paper, the job of an athletic director, it seems like he did uh, an exceptionally good job. Not he was a, a vis a, averse to taking risks. Um, did he stay with? Has he stayed with coaches too long? There are examples on both sides. Uh, he didn't have to make a lot of major hires. He he did hire Rick Heller, who's done a great job for the the baseball program. Did hire Fran McCaffrey. Also hired Todd Licklider, uh, which seemed like a great hire at the time, and he was he quickly pulled the trigger on that. Uh, and you know, I think the Fran hire, well, I think was a good hire and, and has has worked out very well. Uh, certainly hasn't been a an overall grand slam when it comes to the fan base. Uh, so the, you know, a lot a lot of that stuff. But the bottom line with Gary Barta, the thing that he'll be most remembered for, fairly or not, uh, is the lawsuits, the money going out in those lawsuits, the PR hit that those lawsuits caused Iowa athletics. And the University of Iowa as a whole, and then the PR blunders, where it just it never felt like Iowa was proactive in anything. It felt like they were constantly reacting. It felt like most of those reactions were uh, wrong initially, and then they had to react to the reactions to kind of put a, a horse back in the barn or try to put some toothpaste back in a tube. Uh, it feels like 
just misstep after misstep when it comes to, again, on one hand, very, very important things like uh, making sure there's not racism and sexism inside the athletic department, within the teams and within the programs. Uh, so those you know, the most important things to the least important things or, or what should be probably the least important things, which are things like press conferences. Right. And just kind of winning in the media. And Gary Barta was was just not successful at those things. Uh, so his 17 year run, uh, it'll be interesting to see how we all look back on it uh, as we move into a new era of Hawkeye athletics. Uh, what will the Gary Barta era look like as we move forward? Because if things ascend from here and there was kind of a, a ceiling that Gary Barta put on this athletic department by not changing co- coaches, right? By not getting rid of Kirk Ferentz after the 2014 season, by continuing to give him contract extensions, by continuing to give Fran McCaffrey contract extensions, by allowing Brian Ferentz to continue to be a part of the Iowa football program. Um, if, if those things change and Iowa gets better, we'll look back at the Gary Barta era as uh, in, in one way as less successful. If turmoil comes and turnover comes the way it seems to be at just about every other athletic department in the country uh, and it's not good and things go down from here, even for a temporary amount of time, then I think we'll look back at the Gary Barta era and say, Hey, maybe some of those PR things we could have overlooked uh, again, certainly we'll never be able to overlook the lawsuits and and not even the lawsuits themselves, but what sparked those lawsuits. It feels like uh, Iowa lost those lawsuits for good reason. And so um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the Gary Barta era looks like in the past. I know people have talked about this over the last few weeks, and so I'm not going to go too far on this. But uh, so so what what now what, what do we now look at moving ahead? Obviously, Beth Getz was hired for this position. She was hired to be put into this position. Was Gary Barta pushed out? I don't know. Certainly seems like that's possible. Um, but Beth Getz was brought here last September to be the interim athletic director whenever that was going to be needed. Turns out that's needed now, and uh, they're not going to even look for a, a permanent replacement until early 2024. I don't know what that means. That could be January 1st. It could be May of next year. I think they're going to let Beth Getz uh, either win or lose this job. And they're going to give her a football season to, uh, you know, handle things like NIL and her relationship and the the Iowa Athletic Department relationship with the Swarm Collective. Uh, see if she can, you know, avoid the lawsuits and the bad PR. She'll certainly, you know, you would assume over the next six months she's going to have to deal with some sort of issue some sort of controversial topic or, uh, you know, just whatever. She'll have to be the face of the athletic department uh, in front of the media and in front of the fans. And how does she handle that in contrast to how Gary Barta handled that? I think that's going to be a really important part of this. Uh, And, you know, then her ability to create relationships with these coaches and the people in the department uh, to make sure that the diversity stuff it is ongoing and, and to kind of hold the football program's feet to the fire with when, with that stuff, uh, but other programs as well. Uh, so can she maintain some of the stability that we've had in some of these programs? Uh, is she going to be prepared to hire major coaches? Because that's 
what we're going to be looking at. And I think that's something that we as Iowa fans need to start kind of bracing ourselves for. Need to start kind of understanding that that the world that most of us, most living Hawkeye fans, have seen, as I just said, the, the amount of stability that we've seen is unheard of. It's wild to have a football coach for 25 years in this day and age. I think Gary Barta was the fifth athletic director since like the 50s. Athletic director turnover in the Power Five, it's something like an average of every six years. That doesn't happen at Iowa. Look at the turnover in college football at head coaches. That hasn't happened at Iowa. I mean, I've been, I'm 40, and we've had two head football coaches you know, five years before I was born, since five years before I was born. Basketball, while there was that turmoil in the early part of the century, uh, Fran McCaffrey's coming up on 15 years as Iowa's basketball coach. Lisa Bluter's well over 20 years as Iowa women's basketball coach. She didn't get to her first Sweet 16 until her 15th season, and now she's led Iowa to a Final Four in a championship game and has the best player in the country in a program that's certainly putting itself in position to to do some big things. And we'll talk about all of that uh, here in just a little bit, but We've had so much stability as an athletic department. It's going to be interesting to see how we react when that's not the case. What if Beth Getz stays for five years and then we have a new athletic director and then that person doesn't work and we have a new athletic director or that person does work and gets a job in the SEC and then we have a new athletic director? I mean, it's it's just there's a good chance that Iowa goes to closer uh, to what everybody else deals with pretty much constant turnover of head coaching positions in your major sports. Pretty much constant turnover within the athletic department. It's going to be interesting. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I've never really had to deal with head coaching searches in the major sports, at least not nearly as often as other schools and other fan bases have. So that's going to be really, really interesting, I think, to see uh, A, how Iowa handles these things, but B, how we handle them as fans. And, And are we ready to have this level of turnover? Are we ready to turn the football program into something completely different? And I don't know that that would happen if Kirk Ferentz decides to walk away. Maybe you hire from within, and, and maybe the the kind of Iowa way, the principles of the football program, uh, the way Iowa likes to play and the way Iowa likes to win games, maybe all that stays the same. Maybe Phil Parker or LeVar Woods or whoever it is uh, comes in uh, and keeps things relatively the same. But maybe they don't, and maybe they don't hire from within, and maybe Beth Getz or whoever the athletic director is at that time uh, goes radical and gets rid of the entire program and brings somebody new in, brings a fresh face in, brings a hot name in. What if Deion Sanders, or, you know, not him specifically, but somebody like that, a young up-and-coming coach with radical ideas who wants to air the ball out or change things up or you know do whatever that is, um, there's, a, there's a level of excitement there for sure. As an Iowa fan, there's also a level of uncertainty uh, because while some people say Iowa has settled for me- mediocrity when it comes to specifically football, but really in, in many of the major sports, there's also been consistency. And that consistency has been pretty comforting. Uh, it's pretty comforting to know that the football team is going to be good. They may not be great. They're probably not going to be terrible. Uh, and that's not just that's just not always going to be the case. So yeah, it's going to be really really interesting to see kind of how all this plays out now. Um, 
as we move forward. I do think Beth Getz is going to be given every chance to win this job, to earn this job. But I also think that I will will do a legitimate search outside of her and see who else is available and who else is interested and what ideas they have and what they bring to the table. And I think Iowa, as a Power 5, Division 1, Big 10 athletic department, uh, owes it to itself and owes it to its fan base and, and to its coaches and players and investors and the Swarm Collective and everybody involved in Hawk Athletics. They owe it to do a legitimate search. And I hope it's a uh, a different perspective. I hope I hope whoever ultimately gets the job has a different perspective. Um, I said on the radio a couple of weeks ago that I hope it's not an old white guy. And that got a lot of backlash. And I didn't mean that specifically against anybody. I just, I want a different, a different perspective, a different uh, way of thinking. I want somebody who's going to be less prone to uh, getting themselves into these kinds of lawsuits. I want somebody who is more willing to work with the NIL and and to grow uh, and evolve with the changing landscape of college athletics. I want somebody who uh, is better at dealing with the media and social media and the PR aspect of things. Uh, and so I just, I, I would like to see a change. And I hope Beth Getz earns this job. Uh, but I also am confident that Iowa will do uh, everything it can to find the right person. And and yeah, I had some people come at me as well, just get the right person. I don't believe there is a right person. I just, that, I don't think that exists anywhere in any line of work. There's not a right person. If you think there's a single right person for a job, you've probably never hired anybody for a job before. Uh, because different people bring different things, and and they're going to grow into that job in different ways, and and that can look a whole different, that can look very different depending on who it is that ultimately gets that job. I don't believe there's one person who's the perfect AD for Iowa. Uh, I believe there are a lot of people with the requisite uh, skills and experience, and what they do with it will be different than what somebody else would do with it. Uh, but I, again, I do. I am excited about the the future of Iowa athletics under new leadership, uh, but I am also kind of bracing myself emotionally for what that actually means. And let's move right into football here because I think one of the things that means is the end of the Kirk Ferentz era. And I don't know that it's going to be this year or even in the next year or two. Uh, after the pandemic, Kirk, even coming through the the racism stuff in 2020 and the diversity stuff that, that he's uh, been been hit with and had to deal with and the lawsuit and the kind of changes to the program and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, even with all of that, he came out of the pandemic basically saying, I'm not ready to retire yet. One thing I learned from the pandemic is I'm not ready to retire yet. Mary's not ready for me to be home all the time. Uh, I still have more to do. I still have the energy and the passion to do this job. And, and this is where I want to be. And I wonder how he feels today about that because his statement about the Gary Barta thing was certainly short and to the point. He was surprised by it. Um, I just, it feels like his son is taking a lot of heat. uh, And, you know, however that plays out this season uh, will be interesting. But I I think, regardless, I, I, can you see a scenario where Iowa fans are fully behind Brian Ferentz at the end of this football season? Short of a national championship, I mean, really, even if I was scoring 40 points, people have so made up their mind about Brian Ferentz. It's like, I don't even know why he talks to the media at this point. I know he has to at some some time, but no matter what he says, we're going to take it in the most negative light possible. And I'm not saying he hasn't earned that position or that we're wrong for thinking that. 
but uh, I, I just I I think he may be too far gone. I don't know I don't know that there's coming back from this for Brian Ferentz. And so if you're Kirk Ferentz and you're looking at the changing landscape of of all college athletics, certainly college football, certainly Big Ten football, this is probably your last year with divisions. Uh, you've you've helped usher Iowa into at least Iowa football into the NIL era and the transfer portal era. You've done a good job with that this off season. Uh, if you can put together a good football season, and I think Iowa has a chance to to do that. You can say, hey, 25 years, that's a nice round number. Uh, I'm, my family's taking enough heat on this. I'm leaving the jersey in a better place than when I found it. I don't think Kirk Ferentz wants to fade out the way that Hayden Fry did. I don't think he wants to hand it to the next guy uh, and have that person win one or two or three games in a season uh, the way that he had to. I think if he could wave his magic wand, uh, he would hand this program off uh, at a high point. And I think there's a chance that that could be the end of this season, or at least in the next couple seasons. And so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what happens there. Um, and, you know, I'm not ready for the Kirk Ferentz era to end, but I'm, I'm starting to, to get myself there mentally because I think it's sooner rather than later. And I think the uh, the, the departure of Gary Barta uh, possibly uh, quickens that. And I'm not alone in thinking that. I've seen a lot of people, John Miller, Mark Morehouse, David Eichholz, Scott Docterman. I mean, a lot of Tom Cakert, all of like the Hawkeye, the Hawkeye reporters, Chad Lysico at the register. Um, there just seems to be this kind of, and again, part of it is just natural because it's tw- year 25. Uh, but there seems to be this, this, not a push, but this kind of thought process of we're, we're probably nearing the end here. And again, whether it's the end of this season or in a couple of years, um, we're nearing the end, and and so what does that what does that look like? What does that mean? Only time will tell. Huge off season for the football team. Obviously, the transfer portal wins. Caleb Brown, uh, you know, obviously the McNamara and Eric All, just a fantastic off season for Iowa football. I mean, better you feel better about this team and this program than I think anybody would have predicted after the end of that season, and it was a good season. And that's what I tried to harp on all last year is despite all of the the negativity, despite the things uh, that that weren't great, the offense that was just abysmal, uh, despite the fact that Brian Ferentz is coming back, this has been a really, really good offseason for the Iowa football team. Transfer portal wins. NIL wins. It really feels like while we may be lacking in NIL uh, for some of the other things, and we'll get to there when we talk about basketball, The NIL for football is there. It's ready to go. The Swarm beer is out at Exile. I haven't had it yet. I need to go get it. I'm excited for it to come into cans here later this summer, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a a popular beer, a popular drink out at the tailgate lots around Kinnick and and all around the state of Iowa as as football Saturdays come. But uh, just a great, a really good offseason to the point where now I wonder if, like, expectations are going to go a little too high for this Iowa team. I mean – Seven and a half wins uh, at DraftKings is the over-under for the season in the regular season. I think Iowa goes right past that. I think you look at the schedule and the way it lines up for the Hawkeyes. I think it's great. I think as I talked about uh, in the the wake of the Brian Ferentz stuff, um, the Ferentz's are probably right that you get a, a better quarterback, you give him better pieces, you put a better line in front of him, and the Ferentz scheme doesn't need to change much for this team to be really good, for this offense to be uh, serviceable or better, to be average or better. And that's what we've talked about. You have a championship-caliber defense 
you have a championship caliber special teams, if the offense is average or, or above average, you're a championship caliber team. You have the worst offense in the country, you're not. You have the decent offense, you have an average offense, you are. You're a threat to win the Big Ten. Probably not a threat to win the national championship, but who the hell knows? Who knows? Maybe Cade McNamara is the guy. He certainly walks around like the guy. He certainly talks like the guy, right? He certainly acts like the guy. Everything we've seen of him tells us he's the guy. Can he do it on the field? It'll be interesting to see. We've seen him do it on the field at Michigan, uh, but we've also seen Jake Rudock look a lot better at Michigan uh, than he did at Iowa. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I'm excited for this football season. I know you are as well. Um, we got some kick times the first couple of games, uh, kind of as as expected. Uh, at home against Utah State, 11 a.m., that's fine, cool. Try to get my kid to one of these. Uh, my son, who's going to be eight this fall, he's never been to Kinnick. We've been to Carver a couple times. We went to the the Big Ten tournament in baseball, but hasn't hasn't I haven't gotten him to Kinnick yet. That's just such a long day. It's such a bigger process, right? Um that I, I do want to get him there this offseason or this uh, non-conference season. So hopefully we'll do that. Uh, the Western Michigan game on the 16th is a 2.30 kick. Great, perfect, awome love it. Uh, and then the Iowa, Iowa at Iowa State game, a 2.30 kick on September 9th. Perfect time for that game. Love that as well. Really like Iowa's chances in this game. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to bet. I will tell you that I have gone on and placed a bet on the Hawkeyes at plus one and a half, I think is what I where I got what I got it at, uh, which is wild to me that Iowa State was favored. Period. Um, but certainly, if there's any truth to the kind of rumors that are swirling about what this gambling investigation is going to look like for Iowa State compared to Iowa, and I'm not I'm not saying there is truth. I don't know. I'm not going to name names. Uh, but you've heard the rumors that I have. Likely, if you haven't, check out a Cyclone message board. They're all over the place. Uh, the names that are being bandied about with Iowa State football and the implications for this upcoming season uh, are are big. And so what will this Iowa State team look like in Ames on September 9th? I don't know, uh, but even if they were at full strength, i like Iowa to win this game, and I don't think they're going to be at full strength. Will Iowa be at full strength? I don't know. We'll get to that here in a little bit when we talk a little bit more about the gambling stuff. Back to football. The Iowa at Penn State game has been moved to a 6-30 kick. That's the whiteout game at Penn State. That's the Big Ten opener. It's on CBS, and that's a big freaking deal, and I love it. That's fantastic. Great. I hate losing to Penn State because it's almost always close games with them, and the wins feel huge, and the losses feel huge, uh, but these are the games you want to be in. Night games, national TV, CBS, that music, all of it, the whiteout, Penn State acting like this is their big game too. You know what I mean? Like it's really only big game if it feels like that for both teams. Iowa, Ohio State usually doesn't feel like that for Ohio State, although it feels like that for Iowa. This feels like it for both teams. No love lost between these coaching staffs or these fan bases. Uh, That's going to be a huge game and that's going to be a lot of fun. Also have the Iowa-Nebraska game, Black Friday. That's an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, I believe that's, um, is that also on CBS? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but I believe that was the case. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. We're a long way from that. Um, and Nebraska is out over its skis thinking that they're going to win the Big Ten uh, because they change coaches, and that's what Nebraska does. This is the last chance for Iowa to win a Big Ten championship game, uh, I believe. We don't know exactly what the conference is going to look like, but by all indications, they're going to get rid of divisions. And so let's go do that. Let's go do the damn thing. 
Um, and again, I think I think we're probably looking at, if not the end of the Ferentz era, we're, we're coming up close to the end of the Ferentz era. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting football season. Uh, I love the additions they've made. Uh, Cooper DeGene is um, enjoy him while we can, I guess. Like I, I wasn't quite ready um, for this to be the case just yet. Uh, but he's getting first round grades already for next uh, next year's NFL draft. And if that's the case, it's hard to hard to fault the guy for leaving. Uh, I would like to see Cooper DeGene play for another 25 years in an Iowa Hawkeye uniform. I know you feel the same way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, let's enjoy him while we can. Uh, and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pumped for football, if you couldn't tell. Uh, maybe a little slightly less pumped for basketball. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. So basketball has added a couple of uh, a couple of players. Obviously, we're we're looking ahead to the the NBA draft and where will Chris Murray go? And and he's the the big loss. Uh, but Connor McCaffrey leaving as well. He's headed to the NBA as well as a coach, not as a player. So good for him. Excited about that. I think that's a really good spot for him. Um, and then you bring in uh, Evan Bronze and Ben Cricky, a couple of big guys, put them on scholarship. And while I think that those are solid additions, and you know I didn't know what Philip Robrach was going to be when when Iowa got him. And honestly, after the first season, it felt like okay, like he's a serviceable Big Ten player. That's that's fine but that's probably what he is after four years of college basketball. And he, that, that wasn't true. He was much better last year than he was the year before. Uh, he, he took his game to another level in his senior season. And so I don't want to pretend like I know what Ben Cricky or Evan Bronze is going to be uh, as part of this team or as part of this program or, or that they're going to be the same uh, as they were at their previous schools. Um, and so those are nice additions. They're nice additions, but, but you really hoped that there would be a splashy addition out of the transfer portal. And it feels like Iowa was close to a couple of those and fell just short. It feels like, uh, as has been the case, really for most of the Fran McCaffrey era, Iowa is very close to recruiting or, uh, or getting transfers from major pieces that would really kind of change the face of the team and the program and and really even like the the way the fan base thinks of Fran McCaffrey and they've just fallen short time and time again not always but often they've fallen just short you know there'll be a finalist for some of these these big players these big names and and then they they commit somewhere else or uh, just whatever the case is and so it it feels as we sit here today on June 7th like it was mostly a miss in the transfer portal this season for Iowa basketball, for Iowa men's basketball, well, women's basketball as well, and we'll get to that in a minute also. But, um, And I don't know if that's an NIL thing. Again, it seems like the NIL and the Swarm have done wonders for the football program, but uh, do they have the same resources for the basketball program? Do we uh, do? Has the basketball program embraced it the same way? Um, I know... Fran McCaffrey has gotten a lot of criticism for the way he talks about the transfer portal and NIL and the new age of, of college athletics. But I don't think that necessarily means that's how he acts, you know, in the room. I don't think he says those things to guys. I don't think he says, Hey, I don't think you should be able to transfer. I don't think you should be able to get paid. And that's not his position anyway. Um, but there's been criticism of him and the way he talks about it in the media. I don't think that that affects things too much. Uh, but maybe it does. Maybe it affects just even how donors uh, donate their money to the swarm and and earmark those things and 
maybe there's just not enough there for basketball right now, and, and maybe that's coming. Um, but it it feels underwhelming, I guess is probably the best way to put it. It feels like this offseason for, for Iowa basketball has been underwhelming. Uh, expectations are going to be low. They've been there before. I will will be picked to be a, a double digit finisher in the Big Ten. They've been there before. Uh, I think five years in a row they've been in the top half of the Big Ten. When it's all said and done, uh, they've had almost twenty wins. I think fell just short uh, last season. Uh, but it just it, expectations are going to be low again going into this season. I think Iowa will probably exceed those low expectations. I think Iowa will probably fall short of the highest expectations. Um, and I think we'll be back here again next year looking at the roster, wondering what's happening, wondering if there's upward traje- trajectory, wondering if, you know, a top half of the, the Big Ten finish and a, a first-round exit in the in the NCAA tournament is enough. Is it enough? Is the journey fun enough to make up for the lack of a destination. For me, the answer to that is typically yes. I love college basketball. I love Hawkeye basketball. I love two games a week, and like that's the fun part. And yeah, it sucks that they don't win in March in the NCAA tournament, um, but that's not the only thing that matters. It's the most important thing. Those are, the, those are the biggest games, but it's not the only thing that matters. And so I have a feeling a year from now we'll be having a similar conversation uh, about some different players, and Iowa basketball just kind of is what it is. And unless in, in, in the new AD is going to make a major change, um, it kind of feels like this is what Fran McCaffrey's program is, a really fun program to watch, uh, offensive elite, elite offensively, struggles with defense and rebounding, struggles with finding the point guard, the transitional or the uh, the transcendent rather point guard that Iowa just hasn't had, um, maybe struggles to find the consistency night in and night out from its top players, uh, as we've seen, and is good, and at times will make you think, man, this team could beat anybody. This team could be really good. Maybe this is the year they make a run, and then fall short. And I guess we as a fan base and they as an athletic department at some point are going to have to determine if we're okay with it is what it is. I've been okay with it so far, uh, but it gets exhausting. So let's look a little bit at the team. Obviously, Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, and Patrick McCaffrey are going to drive this team. Uh how are they going to do? How are they going to come back? Can they create a little bit more consistency uh, in their games? Can all three of them have good nights? Can all three of them be, you know, all Big Ten caliber players, not first team, but, you know, three teams? Uh, Josh Dix and DeSante Bowen development this offseason is going to be huge, huge. Is DeSante Bowen that point guard that I just talked about that Iowa hasn't had? We saw flashes of it his freshman season. We saw flashes of Josh Dix being really good his freshman season. Their development's going to be huge. The additions of Amari and Nimmers, Price Sanford, Brock Harding, what can they contribute in their first years in the program? What kind of 
role can they play in Big Ten play? What do Cricky and Bronze look like in, in the Big Ten? Um, what does Riley Mulvey look like in his development? It's just going to be really interesting. Again, defensive rebounding will will certainly be an issue. Um, offensively, I think they'll be just fine. And, you know, what does the rest of the Big Ten look like? And, and what is this team able to do on a consistent basis night in and night out? It'll be interesting to see. It'll be fun to see them go to Omaha and play Creighton as part of the Gavit games. Haven't played Creighton since 2011. I think that was in Des Moines. Uh, Creighton's a really good team. That's going to be a tough game, but you you want those games. That's that's fun. Uh, these Des Moines games will be fun. Uh, the the competition won't be great, but the two games sold out so quickly. Uh, I know some of that was third party vendors, and we will find uh, there. You will be able to if, even if you didn't get tickets a couple of weeks ago, you'll be able to find tickets. I think. Uh, as we get closer to those games. And obviously the big draw there is Caitlin Clark and this Iowa women's team. Um, but I, I am I am excited for the Iowa basketball program, or the Iowa basketball season. Uh, I feel like more excited than most Hawkeye fans seem to be, but I also don't have expectations that this is a double buy in the Big Ten tournament caliber team. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope Tony Perkins... And really, Tony Perkins and Peyton Sanford could both be great players. And if that's the case, this this team could be really good, as long as those pieces around them kind of fill in. Uh, at the women's basketball side of things, um, again, probably a a fairly underwhelming offseason. A lot of big transfers were out there. Now, a lot of those didn't make it didn't make sense for Haley Van Lith to come play at Iowa. But there were a lot of big transfer names out there, and a lot of and and of course with Iowa doing what it did last season, making the run of the championship game with Caitlin Clark being the biggest star in the game. Um, although you wonder where her star is compared to Angel Reese as far as culturally right now. Caitlin Clark's just not out there. That's not who she is. It's not how she wants to be. Angel Reese is as out there as you can be. Caitlin Clark is a better basketball player and a bigger basketball star than Angel Reese will ever be. But he, I, I I do think there's an argument that Angel Reese is maybe a bigger cultural star than Caitlin Clark. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but Caitlin Clark uh, and, and what she has and what she does for this program, it just it felt like at least Iowa fans and myself included were like, hey, this is the offseason. Let's go do something big. Let's go get it. Let's go do this. Now's the time. Strike while the iron's hot. And it just doesn't feel like that's happened. And again, whether that's because of uh, NIL or the lack thereof, whether that's because Lisa Bluter uh, and Jan Jensen value chemistry more than anything, they're not just going to bring people in. Um, whatever the case is, maybe and maybe it's because they know that uh, Hannah Stolke and Addison O'Grady are, are good enough to to fill in for Monica Sonano and fill those shoes, and they're ready to take another step. And uh, they were being held back by lack of minutes, and and they're, you know, I was very happy with what they have as a complete team, and I think they should be. I mean, I was going to be a really good team again this year, um, but it does feel like you wanted a big splashy transfer to come in and be a game changer, and that's just not going to happen, and that's okay. Because we still have the game changer in Caitlin Clark. Her star power is bigger than it's ever been. Uh, it's wild. It just keeps going up. She was at the Iowa Cubs game uh, over the weekend. People lined up 12 hours ahead of time on a very hot day. 
to just meet her, to just get the chance to see her and talk to her and get an autograph signed by her. These games in Des Moines were sold out because people want to go see Caitlin Clark. Uh, I'd be surprised if they don't sell out every Big Ten game at Carver-Hawkeye Arena this year and most of the non-conference games as well to see Caitlin Clark. They just announced this morning that the Iowa women will play Virginia Tech uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina on November 9th in the Ally tip-off. This is going to be their big non-conference game, I think. These are both Final Four teams from last year, projected top 10 teams coming into this season. I don't think you're going to see the Iowa-LSU non-conference game that a lot of fans, a lot of media wanted um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, But I think this is probably the big splashy non-conference game that the Iowa women are going to have, and and it is that. It's maybe not the biggest and splashiest you could have had, but I think it is is those things, and so I'm excited about that. LSU is going to be a crazy good team. And that's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do chemistry-wise. Can they put that together? Uh, Kim Mulkey's a great head coach. You don't have to like her yet. You do have to respect her coaching abilities. And, you know, what What does that team look like? That's going to be the talk all season. Like it or not, it's going to feel like Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese. And, and I think that's one of the reasons we're not going to see that game in the non-conference is because Iowa doesn't need to um, – embroil itself in that any further than it's already been embroiled into that. Um, Caitlin Clark is not a me first person. She isn't. Angel Reese is. And if she hadn't followed Caitlin Clark around uh, in the, in the final moments of that championship game, she wouldn't be the star she is right now. That's just, that is what it is. She's not the star she is because she played so great in that game or because she had such a great season. It's because she followed around Caitlin Clark. A narrative was created around that. Conversations were had around that that were bigger than women's basketball and more culturally relevant than things we had seen come out of women's basketball in a long time. And now she's capitalizing on that by doing music videos and the inside swimsuit edition and, and all of that stuff and more power to her. Good for her. Good for her. I, I think it raises the the profile of women's basketball, even if it's done in a way that uh, maybe isn't the way that we would do it or the way that we want Caitlin to do it. Uh, they're, they're both doing it in different ways, and that's okay. But I don't know that I would need to get embroiled into the Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese thing more than they will already be pulled into that. So I like this game with Virginia Tech. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think it's a, a cool thing for the Iowa women's basketball program. And uh, obviously I'm excited about what there is in store for this team and this program. I think that... It's, you know, it's, I mean, it's championship or bust, right? And we don't know what Caitlin Clark's going to do with her extra year of eligibility. Um, and we'll just kind of have to let that play out. And, and we'll be talking more women's basketball on this channel and in every channel that has anything to do with Hawkeye sports and really probably anything that has to do with sports period uh, over the next year than we have uh, in the years past. And I think that's a, a really good thing. Wrap it up here. Uh, baseball, a great season for the Hawkeyes. Uh, disappointing end, to be sure. Uh, you'll always be left wondering, what would this team have done? What would they have looked like uh, with Keaton Anthony and the other players who have been held out, presumably because of the gambling um, investigation? And 
uh, just kind of fell short when it when it mattered the most. Uh, I went to the Big Ten Tournament Championship over in Omaha. That was a cool experience. It was so awesome to see so many Hawkeye fans there. The Let's Go Hawks chance. Uh, you love that. It was just really, really cool. And it just it made you realize that if this team can ever get to, if this program can ever get to a college world series, uh, which is a tall, tall task. It's a high bar. Uh, but if they ever can, Hawkeye fans will take over Omaha, and that's going to be one of the cooler experiences you're, you're going to have as a fan. And so uh, that Big Ten tournament was great. The bats were hot. Really, ever since Keaton Anthony was sat down, the team got hot. Um, they were fantastic. That was so much fun to watch. Even if it's a sport that we really only plug into towards the end of the season, uh, it's a sport with such a low barrier of entry, right? Like, if you didn't grow up wrestling, even if you grew up as a Hawkeye fan, you may not be so interested in wrestling that you can sit there and watch an entire meet or that you'll travel to go see a, a, a match or that you, you'll, you know what I mean? Like, the barrier to entry for wrestling is fairly high. The barrier to entry for baseball is so low because so many of us grew up with it, played it, watch it on other levels. And so it's really easy to plug into the Iowa baseball team and the program. And when things are going good, you can really plug into it quickly. And when they're not, you can just kind of forget it happens because, hey, it's spring and it's nice and we've got spring football and there's other things going on, right? Um, it does feel like we left the regional. Uh, we left something at the regional that... It just it felt like there was an opportunity there that um, we let slip through our fingers. The bullpen kind of fell apart. Not kind of. The bullpen fell apart. And, you know, you win that game Saturday against Indiana State where you have a lead in the eighth inning. And then all of a sudden you've got your pitching set up for that game on Sunday. And, and you're in a whole different position. But you lose that lead in the eighth inning. Now you've got to go into Sunday. Uh, you got to pitch, and then and then that Sunday morning game goes into extra innings. So you use, I mean, it's just it. It was a perfect storm, and even then, Iowa gave Indiana State all it wanted in that in that final game. Uh, I think Indiana State just leaned into another pitch. I think they're still just standing on top of the plate, getting hit by balls. Um, but man, what a fun season for Rick Heller and the the boys. And again, you you'll always be left wondering. Um, but it feels like if this program can just find a way to take that next step, it could really blow the lid off uh, off of this and and really get people highly invested. It would help if Iowa State, you and I, Drake had baseball teams so you could play some of these in-state games and, and have something during the season uh, where you could really plug yourself into. But, hey, that's not going to happen. Last thing I want to touch on is this this gambling investigation that's been ongoing, continues to go. Will we ever get a resolution? I'm sure it'll happen at some point. I'm sure it'll happen quickly when it does. I think it'll probably all come out at once, right? Like it'll be, hey, these are this is what the DCI found. These are, if any, criminal charges. These are the criminal charges. This is what the NCAA has decided. And these are the players who are whose eligibility is going to be impacted. And hell, we may get it from Iowa and Iowa State at the same time. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I have been uh, I have been calmed by the fact that it seems like the reporting from the people who know the Chad Lysicos and the David Eicholtz and the Scott Documents and the guys who are really plugged into this, um, it's it it seems like 
you're not hearing the same rumors about Iowa players that you are about Iowa State players, right? It seems like the 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 too deep on the football depth chart is safe. It seems like the starters or the projected starters for the men's basketball team are safe, and it feels like there there will certainly be some impact on eligibility on these programs and others. But it doesn't feel like you're going to get that bombshell, right? It doesn't feel like you're going to get that name where it's like, ah, oh, no way. There goes the season, or what the hell are we going to do? And it does feel like that that could be possible for Iowa State. So, um, I, you know, it's, it's just a wait-and-see game. I think the fact – it's obviously great that the worst-case scenario isn't there, and that's that uh, people were throwing games or point-shaving or doing something like that. It doesn't feel like anybody bet on their own team or, or there was any kind of implications on that thing. So that's – once you've kind of cleared that hurdle – then it's just how's this going to affect our teams and our seasons? Because you know the more we can argue about the morality of sports gambling and where these rules should be set and where these lines should be set, uh, we can have those conversations. But the bottom line is these these people knew they were doing something wrong. They're going to suffer the consequences, and you just hope that it, it provides a lesson to the rest of the team that we don't have to deal with this again. The rest of the program, uh, the rest of the athletic de- department, that we just don't have to deal with this again. Um. And yeah, I mean, so it feels like the other shoe is going to drop, but it also feels like that shoe is not going to be um, a hammer for Iowa. And I think that's about all you can ask for at this point. And uh, and I'm not going to speculate more than uh, more than that. I I haven't done great reporting on this or anything, and so I will uh, I'll just kind of let that sleeping dog lie where it is. I appreciate you joining me, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, these will come more often as we move into the summer into media days, into more newsy things, uh, into the Beth Getz era of Iowa athletics. And uh, and again, we'll have it all covered, as always, at HawkeyeNation.com. I appreciate you for listening, and go Hawks! 